Okay, today's learning is Lezecha Nishmas, Gila Bashloima, Leia Basafrayim, Yitzhak Ben Chaim Alevi, Yaakov Ben Shagafai Alevi, Sarah Leia Bashmol Tzvi, Achan Bepesat, Mariyas Bashashua, Rabbi Ben Rabaruch, Benachman Ramesha Alevi, Ramesha Benachman Alevi, and Yaakov Ben Aftali, and Rafu Shleima, Yehudis Bas Miriam. So we're up to Daf Ayin Aleph, Ahmed Aleph. The Kambara says like this, Amarav, top line, Amarav Kahana Marav. Rav Kahana Marav says, So the halacha is that if someone's a deaf mute, they're not considered uh, to have das in halacha, and they can't, um, and in the following scenario, let's say a man gets married before he's a deaf mute. So he gets married when he's a pikeach. So it's a biblical marriage, and then he becomes a deaf mute. He can't divorce his wife because he doesn't have das. That's the standard halacha. Says the Gemara Bichidish. Rab says, If a deaf mute is able to communicate by writing, so normally a cherish doesn't have das. So we can't trust him to divorce his wife because we don't think he has das. But if he's able to write, I'd like to divorce my wife. We divorce the wife based on that testimony of the husband. So it's a big chiddush, and that is that if a person was healthy and got married and became a cherish, he's able to divorce his wife if he's able to communicate through writing. It's a big chiddush. That's Rav's chiddush. Am Rav Yosef. Rav Yosef says, My What's the chiddush of Rav? Why is it such a big chiddush? You're telling me the chiddush is that because he could write his intention, we trust him. Isn't that clearly from what we learned yesterday? Tanino in our Mishnah, the Mishnah says, Nishtatik, the Mishnah says that if someone is a mute, so he can't communicate, he's not deaf mute, he's just mute, he can't speak. We said in the Mishnah that if someone is a mute and they ask him, would you like us to divorce your wife? And he, he nods and said, yes. We ask him a few questions in intervals, uh, yes and no questions. And if he answers them all properly, we trust his head motions and we go with it. So the question is, what's the difference? Once I know that if someone is a mute and he's able to communicate through nodding his head, is it such a chiddush that a cherish is able to communicate through writing? It should be the same thing. So what's the chiddush of Rav? So the Gemara says, Amr ka'amrit, shani ilem. Ah, that's different. In the case of a mute, their faculties are 100%. There's no question that they're not a shaita. They're, uh, they just can't speak. They're a mute. So for there, the Mishnah is telling me that if they nod their head, that's enough. A cherish is someone who can't speak and can't, can't hear... The assumption is in halacha, such a cherish doesn't have das. For someone who doesn't have das to tell me that if he writes his intention, we trust it, that's a big chiddush. Meaning, the fact that the Mishnah said this regarding an elam, someone who's mute, that if he nods his head, we trust his communication, that's not as big of a chiddush. Because, that's not as big of a chiddush, because over there, he at least has 100% faculties. A cherish, someone who's deaf and mute, is considered a shota in halacha. He doesn't have das. He doesn't have any understanding. Because he doesn't have any understanding, it's a tremendous chiddush to say that such a person is able to write down and we trust that he has das. Now, it's a big chiddush. The Tanya, as the Brisa says, Sometimes a cherish is someone who could speak and cannot hear. But in our discussion, a cherish is neither. But sometimes in Mishnayis, you have a cherish is someone who could speak but can't hear. Cherish means... Uh, can't hear. But an ilim is someone who, who can hear but cannot speak. 
And a cherish and an elam, that type of cherish and an elam is considered a pikeach. He has das. Therefore, to extend that to someone who can't speak and can't hear is a big chiddush. Now, the Gemara, just as an aside, says, how do I know that an elam is mute and a cherish is deaf? How do I know? Maybe it's the opposite. Just Pasha, how do you know that a cherish is deaf and an elam is mute? How do you know that that's the translation of those terms? The Gemara says, The puzzle clearly says, I am deaf, I do not hear. I am mute, I do not speak. So clearly, deaf means not being able to hear, and mute means not being able to speak. Another source that someone mute is called an elam is Kedamriinches. People say elam is ishtokik melule. His speech was taken from him. That's the, the word elam. The word elam is an acronym for ishtokik melule. His words were taken from him. So obviously, an elam means, uh, means uh, mute. Now, the Gemara said before. <coughs> That Rav, we started a discussion with Rav, that Rav said that if a cherish is someone who's a deaf mute, is able to communicate through writing, we trust it. So the Gemara says, I have a problem. This is the problem with Rav's teaching, that you could trust a mute. For writing, the Tanya, as the Brisa says, we know that there's a biblical prohibition. If you know testimony for someone, you're obligated to testify for them. If you don't, if you withhold testimony, you're over alive. Which means that if you take into court and they say, do you know anything about this case? And you say no, and you're lying, you will be punished. You have to bring a carbon. Says the Gemara, the Brisa says, Let's say you're a mute. And they ask you, do you know any testimony? And you nod your head no and you do, you're not going to be punished. It's a special Xer Sakasiv that you're not ex- you're not included because you can't communicate. But wait a minute. But wait a minute. Why are you exempt? Rav created this chiddish that if writing down that if you write down information that's enough, right? Right? If you write down information, then you could uh, you could divorce your wife based on the writing. So you, what do you see? You see that writing is like communicating. So if writing is like communicating, then why is it someone who mutes, why is he exempt from bringing a carbon? If he doesn't testify, he could write down the testimony. He could write down, you know, that he's able to testify. And the fact that he doesn't, he should be punished. Meaning, if you're telling me that now that writing is a good uh, substitute for speaking, and that's why writing is acceptable for uh, conveying your knowledge that you want to divorce your wife. So if, if, if writing is ksav, is ke'amira, so then how come a person who, a mute who can testify and chooses not to? He doesn't have to bring a carbon. Why? Because he can't speak, he can't testify anyway. Why can't he write it down? So the Gemara says, no, the answer is no, no, no. Writing is a good form of showing what is going on in your mind. And that's why to divorce your wife where all you need is da, so writing is enough. I, how come by testifying, writing is not enough? The answer is, by testimony, the Pasuk says, they have to come out of their mouth, meaning writing a testimony is not enough. Therefore, if someone is a mute and he withholds testimony, he's not going to be punished. Why? Because he can't testify anyway. I, he could write it. Writing is not a good form of testimony. It's a good form of conveying your knowledge, but not for the technicality of testifying, meaning if you have Adam who write down what they saw, that's not enough. 
The Gemara says, Mesri, you're telling me writing down is not good edus. Keshem Shabbat Kenois Legitin, the Brysa says, the same way a mute person is tested for divorce, that we ask the person, do you want a divorce? And he nods his head, yes, that's enough. Kach Boit Kenois, so too it's enough to nod your head. Limasos, for business transactions. Limatanos for, uh, Limatanos uh, is, is for gifts. Limatanos for testimony. Limatanos and for Yerusha. Oh, Ketanimi Edus, one of the lists that you can nod your head is testimony, meaning they ask you, did you see this happen? He nods his head, that's enough. Oh, so you see that testifying, you could testify without actually saying it. You're telling me that testimony has to be verbal and writing down and gesture is not enough. Over here, you're gesturing and it's considered an edus. So the Gemara says, no. Generally for testifying, you cannot just nod your head or write it down. I, this Bryce says you can, that's specifically regarding testifying about an aguna, that if you have a testimony, you know that the husband died and the wife is going to be an aguna, where lenient will allow you to testify by writing or by nodding your head, that's a kula that Chazal made to avoid aguna problems. But in general, for all testimony, general testimony, you have to actually be verbal. I, the way, so when the Brysa says that you could nod your head for masos, matanos, idios, and yurushos, when it says idios, that just means for aguna. Wait a minute, takatani yurushos, but you can't testify generally by nodding your head. But it said yurushos. Yurushos is inheritance. What's the case? Isn't it the case where I know that someone is not supposed to get inheritance or someone's supposed to get inheritance and I testify about that? Isn't that the case of yurushos? It's considered, a, it's a testimony. And you see that it's considered uh, that you could testify non-verbal. So the Gemara says, no, Yerusha's The case of Yerusha is specifically talking about the following case. I, it's not testifying about someone else's Yerusha, because that's testimony. That requires verbal testimony. The case that we accept um, non-verbal testimony is, by Yerusha, is the case where a person has a son, and he's the Bechar. So the Bechar is generally supposed to get double. He, for whatever reason, decided he doesn't want his Bechar to get double, and now he wants to change his mind. That's not considered real testifying when it's about your own property. Testifying about your own property is not real uh, testimony. So therefore, and especially because he was supposed to get double share anyway. So if you just basically... Um, yeah, so the cases where he wants to change it, where the son is supposed to get double, and now you want to make it single test, single, uh, you know, or vice versa, but that's not a real testifying. That's about your own Yerusha. That's just clarifying what your money should go to. That's not considered testimony. General testimony requires verbal. Oh, wait a minute. But it also said in the Braissa, Masos and Matanos, business transactions and gifts. Business transactions and gifts are definitely considered... Um, uh, are definitely considered a testimony. My love, la'alma, is not referring to other people's business transaction or other people's gifts. The Gemara says, it's talking about his own. His own gifts and transactions. Meaning, if I say, I basically want to say that you should get my car. So I'm just like nodding or writing it down. That's enough. That's not considered testimony because it's my car. If it's about your car, then it is considered testimony and you need a verbal testimony. Okay. Fine. So we all started this discussion by Rav, because Rav said that a deaf mute that writes down, divorce my wife, we accept his writing and we divorce. Wait a minute, Meisve, I have a Bryce that says not like that. The Bryce says, Cherish, a deaf mute, we do not accept gestures, 
lip movements or writing of a deaf mute, because he's not a mute. Mute, we do. Deaf mute has no das. We cannot write. For Gittin, it is not accepta- accepta- acceptable. Oh, so you see over here, this Bryce is clearly not like Rav. Rav felt that a Cherish, a deaf mute, can write down, divorce my wife, and we will accept it. This Bryce clearly says not like that. So what's the answer? Tanoihi. The answer is, you're right, it's a Machlekes Tanoim. This Brisa is not like Rav. This Brisa feels that a Cherish cannot t- t- divorce his wife based on, based on writing. Rav goes with the following Brisa, who disagrees with this previous Brisa. Titania, as the Brisa says, Om Rav Shem Gamliel, says, When does this apply? That we do not accept a deaf mute for writing is is when he was always deaf mute, so he never had a moment of clarity. Avil Pikech, what was the case of Rav where you could write it down? I mentioned it. It's where when he got married, he was healthy. So he had Das at some point. Then he became a Cherish. So Rav felt that he could write it. The Brysa says not like that, but now Rishon Gamliel clarifies. Rishon Gamliel says, When is it only true that a deaf mute cannot write it? That's when he was always a deaf mute. But if the man was at some point competent, got married, and then became a deaf mute, he could write down his intention and then get divorced. So stop right there. Rav, who feels that writing is an acceptable form of transferring das, is following Rav Shem Gamliel, and Rav is following Rav Shem Gamliel, and therefore there's no problem. Now, end of that discussion, but before the end of how you answer that Rav is following Rav Shem Gamliel, but now let's analyze Rav Shem Gamliel uh, for a second. What did Rav Shem Gamliel say? Rav Shem Gamliel says that if someone was healthy, and then became a cherish, he could write it down. But if he was always a cherish, he can't just write. Now, here's the problem. If you were always a cherish, that means your marriage is only rabbinic. Wouldn't we be more lenient? Meaning, when someone was fully healthy and got married, that's a biblical marriage, then he became a cherish. So Rav is saying a big chiddish, and Rishon Liel is concurring with this, that if they write it down, that's enough. But says Rishon Liel, but if he was a cherish from the beginning, he was always a cherish when he got married, he was always a deaf mute, you can't write it down. But wait a minute, if he was always a deaf mute, that means the marriage is only rabbinic. If the marriage is only rabbinic, then why not be lenient? The cherish may, for, for also, more than that, when he was a cherish, how did he get married? The answer is he gestured. So if he gestured to get into the marriage, he should be able to gesture to get out of the marriage. The cherish may, Carlaw, you're telling me that someone who was always a deaf mute, who got married as a deaf mute, cannot divorce his wife through gestures? But wait a minute. The, the Mishnah says, that the same way that they got married through, that he got married through gestures, because he was a deaf mute, so he's going to get divorced through gestures. The whole marriage is only rabbinic anyway. Why can't he divorce that way? So the Gemara says, you're right. You're right. If we're talking about divorcing his wife, you're right. We're talking about a case of Yibam, meaning the case is his brother got married to a woman He's a cherish from the beginning, but his brother got married to a woman. Brother died. She's falling into Yibam. He wants to divorce her. Just to, instead of doing Yibam or Chalitza, he wants to divorce her. That is not going to be acceptable. Now, yeah, one second. Now, because think about it. A cherish can't do Chalitza because he can't speak. Question is, can he do Yibam? Yeah. 
Yeah, he can't. I think he has to. He can't do chalitza. He can't divorce her because it was a biblical marriage. That's why writing is not enough. And I guess he has no choice but to do yibum. I would assume. Um, I guess we'll see. The Gemara says, "Oh, so the case is that he can't divorce is a case of yibum." Yeah, second, fine. Yevimto miman, meaning if he, if I guess even after yibum, if he wants to divorce her, he can't. So the Gemara says, "Well, what is this? What was the brother's marriage like?" Again, he's a cherish from the beginning. Now, if he's a cherish from the beginning and he married a woman, it's a rabbinic marriage. He married through gesturing. He could divorce through gesturing. The case is though that he's doing yibum. So because he's doing yibum, he can't divorce her. Now, the, qu- the question is, what was his brother like? If his brother is also a deaf mute, so his brother's marriage to his brother's wife, his brother's marriage to his wife was rabbinic, so then she, he dies and she's, he's doing yibum, he should be able to divorce her, because he's just continuing a rabbinic marriage. Meaning, again, yibum is a continuation of the husband's marriage. So if... <coughs> If the husband, if the brother, uh, even as a continuation of the brother's marriage, if the brother was a, a, a deaf mute and married through gesturing, then he should be able to divorce through gesturing. The case is that the brother was a healthy person. So the brother had a biblical marriage. Then when the brother died, she had zika to him. That's biblical. So he has to do yibum. He does yibum. He can't divorce her. Okay. Fine. Now, the Gemara says, so that's the first answer. The case is that a cherish cannot divorce his wife, according to Rishim Leal, with writing, is where he's doing yibum. Because again, according to Rishim Leal, if you were healthy and then became a cherish, you could divorce through writing. If you were always a cherish and married a woman, it's a rabbinic marriage, you could divorce through writing. The only time you can't is where your brother was healthy, married a woman, had a biblical marriage, the brother died, she has zika to you that's biblical, you have to do yibum because you can't do chalitza, and then you can't divorce her because you're continuing a biblical marriage. That's the first answer, and the Gemara is going to end up going with this answer. But first, the Gemara is going to try to give another answer, and the Gemara is eventually going to reject this. Or perhaps, perhaps you're doing Yibam, and your brother's also a deaf mute. So you have two brothers, both deaf mutes, Reuben and Shimon. Reuben marries a woman, then Reuben dies. Shimon cannot divorce uh, Reuben's wife. That's very strange, because you'll say this, Why? He's doing Yibam, which is continuing his brother's marriage. His brother was a deaf mute, which means the whole marriage is rabbinic, which means they got married through gesturing. So why can't, after Yibam, why can't he divorce her? Because he's continuing his brother's marriage. His brother's marriage was a deaf mute. So why not? It's, it's continuing a rabbinic marriage. And so the Gemara is saying, so why is it that according to Rishon Leo, you cannot divorce your wife through writing in this case, is a gzera. Meaning, at this point, we're saying, according to Rishon Leo, if I'm a deaf mute and I marry a woman, I can divorce through writing. If I was healthy and became a deaf mute, I can divorce through writing. The only time I cannot divorce through writing is if I'm doing yibum on my brother's marriage. Even if my brother's a deaf mute, I can't. But why? I'm continuing a deaf, a rabbinic marriage, so why can't I do gesturing? The answer is a gzera. If I'm allowed to, you're right, I should be able to divorce her through writing in this case, but it's exera, I might come to divorce her through writing in the case where I'm doing yibum when my brother was healthy. Meaning, if the brother was healthy and married a woman and then he died, that's a biblical marriage, you can't do gesturing. Everyone agrees you can't divorce through writing. 
Rishon Leon now is adding a chiddush according to the second answer that even if you're doing yibum and your brother was a deaf mute, so you're continuing a marriage of a deaf mute, so why can't I divorce through gesturing? The answer is a kzera, that if I am allowed to divorce through gesturing, in this case, I might come to divorce through gesturing in the case where I do yibum when my brother was healthy and it's a biblical marriage. So the Gemara says, okay, that's fair, but wait a minute. So I can't divorce in that case. A kzera. But I could divorce when I'm a deaf mute, I could divorce my wife. Why don't you say the same thing by a wife that um, that you shouldn't be able to divorce your wife through writing uh, a gezeira, that if we allow you to do it this case, you might come to do it in the case of Yibam. The answer is Yivimta v'yivimta michlaf, ishta v'yivimta la michlaf. The answer is, it's more of a likely concern that if I'm in my able to divorce my wife, divorce a Yivama, in some cases I'll divorce other Yivamas. To extend it that if I divorce my wife, I'll come to divorce my Yevimto, that's a bit of an extension. Okay, so according to the second answer, if I'm doing Yibam, I'm a deaf mute, my brother's a deaf mute, he dies and then I do Yibam, I can't divorce her. Why? I'm just continuing a marriage that was based on gesturing, so I should be able to get out of it. Gezeira, that I might come to divorce her if he was 100% healthy. The problem is, that's not true. The problem is, we don't have such Gezeira. Right now you're telling me that if you do yibum, if a cherish does yibum, and his brother was a cherish, he can't divorce the wife, a gzera. There's no such gzera. Umiga and cherish to Do we make a gzera that uh, that if you might come to 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 do something to divorce a deaf mute brother, you might come to divorce um, uh, the yevama that fe- that fell from a non-deaf mute? There is no such gzera that exists. Go to the next page. Umiga zrin and cherish to What now? The Mishnah says. We've had this many, many times at the beginning of Yivam, is that if you have two brothers who marry two sisters, and then one of the brothers dies, there's no Yivam, because she's your, uh, in addition to being your sister-in-law, she's your wife's sister, she's an erva. So the Mishnah speaks this out, that it, this concept is true regardless of how the brothers are, whether the brothers are deaf-mute, whether they're not deaf-mute, whether the wives are deaf-mute, whether they're not deaf-mute, if two brothers marry two sisters, there's no yibum. Doesn't matter any of the makeup. If you have two brothers marry two sisters, whether they're all deaf mute, only the men are deaf mute, only the women are deaf mute, one man is deaf mute, one woman is deaf mute, it's completely irrelevant. There is no chalitz in Yibam because this woman, in addition to being your sister-in-law, is also your wife's sister. Okay, but let's say the two wives are unrelated. You have two brothers who married two women. Yibam, classic case of Yibam. But there, there's a combination of deaf-mute. The brothers do Yibam. And if after doing Yibam they want a divorce, they can Ah, what do you see? Even if the brothers, if the if the brothers are, even if the brothers were full cherish, right? You could divorce. Why? Because I'm continuing. If if Reuben and Shimon are both deaf mute and Reuben dies, Shimon can divorce Reuben's uh, Yivama. Why? Because he's continuing a rabbinic marriage that was based on gesturing, so he's getting out of it based on gesturing. I. Why don't you make a that? If you come to do this, you might come to do it when the brother was healthy. The answer is, we don't have such a You're right. That's why I throw out that last pshat. There is no such gzera. Go with the original pshat. 
that the only time you cannot divorce your wife is if, the, according to Shagam Leel, he could divorce, if, he, if he's a cherish and got married, he's a cherish, he could divorce. If he's a pikeach and then became a cherish, he could divorce the writing. If he did yibam and they're both harashim, he could divorce the writing. The only time he can't is if you have two brothers, Reuben and Shimon, Reuben is healthy, marries a woman, say, so have a biblical marriage, and then dies, and then the wife falls to Shimon, who's a deaf mute, so that's a zika of a biblical marriage that you can't divorce the writing. That's the only time. Okay, fine. Now, let, let's, let's um, pull it back. We started our entire daf by quoting Rab that said that if someone was healthy and then got married and then became a cherish, forget about Yibam, Stam, he could divorce his wife through writing. Rishim Gamliel concurs with that. Am Rabbi Yochan, Rabbi Yochan says, The Tanoim disagree with Rishim Gamliel, meaning Rishim Gamliel is not a universally accepted opinion. The first part of the Brisa disagrees. Now, the reason why this is a bit of a Chiddush is because the Brisa started off by saying, this is on the previous summer, the Brisa said that basically a Cherish cannot divorce through writing. And then Rav Shimon says, Bamed, when is this true? Blah, blah, blah. Rav Shimon disagrees. So it's a Machlokis. Rav Shimon Gamliel and Tanakam. Am Rabbi Okay, fine. Rav Yechon is just clarifying that Rav Shimon is not agreeing with the Tanakam and not clarifying the Tanakam, they disagree. Okay. Am Rabbi Abayah says, Afanonami Tanina. Our Mishnah backs this up that there's a machlokas. Why? Because the Mishnah says, Nishtatis, if a woman became mentally ill, lo yaitzi, her husband cannot divorce her. Nishcharish hu, this is a Mishnah Yavam, this is not a Mishnah. Nishcharish hu, Nishtata, if the husband became a deaf mute or became deranged, lo yaitzi, he can't divorce her. Oh, so you see, this, this Mishnah clearly states that if a man gets. Uh, uh, becomes a deaf mute or becomes mentally unstable, he can never divorce her. He can never divorce her forever. Why? I, I thought Rishon Gamliel holds you could just write it down. The answer is this Mishnah is not like Rishon Gamliel. So this is another Mishnah not like Rishon Gamliel because the Mishnah says that if a man becomes becomes a deaf mute, he cannot divorce her forever. Oilamis means to add that even if you write it down, no good. What does it mean the Mishnah adds Eilamis? It means that even if you could write, even if you could write, um, and you could write, I want to divorce my wife, no good, because this Mishnah does not follow Rishon Gomliel. Okay. Amrav Papa, so that's what Rabbi Yochanan is saying, is that Rishon Gomliel disagrees with Tanakama, and therefore he's also disagreeing with the Mishnah Nivams. Amrav Papa, the truth is, Rav Papa said, if you didn't tell me there was a machlokas, I could make it work. I could make it that everybody agrees with each other. I would say, I would actually say that Rishon Gomliel is not disagreeing with the Tanakama, he's just clarifying, meaning, I could have argued that everybody agrees with each other that normally a cherish cannot divorce his wife unless he's able to write things down, in which case he could. I could have argued that Rishon Gamliel is universally accepted. I, what does the Mishnah mean in Yavamis when it says that if someone becomes a cherish, he cannot divorce her forever? That implies not like Rishon Gamliel, because Rishon Gamliel says that if you could write it down, you could divorce your wife. So the Gemara says, I could have argued that even that Mishnah works with Rishon Gamliel. How? Rishon Gamliel holds that if a cherish writes down, divorce my wife, you can get divorced. So why does the Mishnah say you don't get divorced forever? It means, it doesn't mean even if you could write. No. It could be if you could taka write down your intention, you should get divorced, and you do get divorced. So what does it mean that he can never divorce his wife forever? It means even if that deaf mute, let's say he can't write, but you could tell he's very smart. You could tell he understands what's going on. Nope, no good. 
unless he could write it down, meaning even if you see that he's sharp and you think that he's competent, if he cannot write it down, no good. But it could be, if Itaka writes it down, I would have argued that that Mishnah agrees with the Rishon no. Inami, or another answer? Look at the Rabbi Yitzchak. I could have said that the third Eilamis is not to disagree with the Rishon Gamliel, but rather for the teaching of Rabbi Yitzchak. Tell Rabbi Yitzchak. Devar Torah, Shota Miskareshes. Rav Yitzchak holds that if the woman is a Shota, let's say you marry a woman and she's a Shota, she becomes a Shota, she becomes mentally unstable, so we said in the Mishnah you can't divorce her because she can't receive a get. Rav Yitzchak actually holds that on a biblical level you could divorce her. Why? Because it's like any other divorce. A divorce is against her will. You don't need a woman's das to get divorced. You can just throw the get at her. So therefore, because she can get divorced against her will, I could have argued that holds this way, that a woman can get divorced minatora even if she's a shota. And why did the rabbi say that you cannot divorce your wife if she's mentally unstable? She because people are going to take advantage and attack her and be lead to immorality. She's not going to be protected. So the Mishnah could be the term Oilam is to say no. That that um, that that to say that a, a woman who's a shaita you could talk a divorce biblically, but a man who's a shaita cannot. So that's I could have argued that really that Mishnah works as Rishon Gamliel, and if you're able to write things down, you talk a could divorce your wife. So why does it say that uh, a lamis that he cannot divorce her forever? It just means that if he becomes deranged, there's no heter. As opposed to if she becomes deranged, biblically they could get divorced. That's I could have argued. But Kamash Malan knows, says Rabbi Yochanan, it's a machlokas tanayim, and the Mishnah does not agree with Rosh Okay, let's just finish up. I actually want to go into the next Amid, if that's okay, because we got to do a lot of Gemara today. We have to do today's daf. I have to prepare and record tomorrow's daf because it's Tishavav. I also have to prepare Friday's daf because I can't do it on Tishavav. You can't learn on Tishavav. So, okay, we'll figure that out. New Mishnah. Uh, a couple dafim ago, this is like Samachvav, uh, I think. The Mishnah had a discussion like this. If you tell two Aden, write a get for my wife, they have to actually write the get. They can't ask someone else to take care of it. There was a Shaila. What if I ask three people? If I go over to three people and I say, give a get to my wife, can they ask other people? Rav Meir said yes. Rav Yossi said no. Rav Meir felt mealy. Um, Rav Meir said mealy loy mealy which means that a person can uh, can uh, can uh, uh, pawn off his obligation to someone else. So I could ask someone else to to do it. So if I tell three people, they could ask. Uh, they can get a sofa, and they can get the Adam to do it. That's not a problem. And Rav Yossi disagrees. He says, no. That was the Mishnah in Samach Vav. Now, the Mishnah over here continues with this. The Mishnah says, A couple people, we'll see how many, two, three, it's a Shaila and the Gemara, they say to a man, would you like us to write a get for your wife? And he says, right, yes, right. And instead of them writing, they got a cipher to write it. They got witnesses to sign it. Even though it was technically written and signed and then given given to the man, then it was given to the woman. How do you get bottle? No good. Meaning, the fact that they didn't do it themselves is a problem. Now, pause. This kind of sounds like we're talking about even if three people were to be involved. And this kind of sounds like Rav Yossi. That if I ask you to do it, you have to do it, and you can't get someone else. 
Then the Mishnah says, it's only okay So when is the get not valid? It's only not valid if the husband calls up the sofer himself, calls up the edim himself. So the theme of the Mishnah is that if 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 uh, that the 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 shluchim cannot ask other people to do it, they have to do it themselves. Okay. Now here's where the contradiction comes in. I said to you before, there's a machlekes or meir of Yosi, whether the shluchim can get other people to do it for them. Rav Yossi says, no. Rameir says, yes, as long as you said the word tnu. If you said ksuvu, if you said write it, then they have to write it. But if you said give the get to my wife, and you told it to three people, they can just get other people to do it. So says the Gemara, the Mishnah seems to contradict itself. Why? Because the Mishnah starts off by saying that it's a problem. It sounds like it's only an issue. It sounds like the Mishnah is talking about a case where there's three people. They said to the husband, would you like us to write a get to the wife? And he said, ksuvu, you should write it. Now, if he says ksuvu, they have to write it. Now, they didn't, so it's bottle. Taima tnu. The implication of the Mishnah is that the get is bottle. The get is a problem because he never said the word tnu. Ha'amr tnu. But let's say he just said, give the get to my wife. Because he said ksuvu. He said, you have to write it. So they didn't write it, so it's a problem. But let's say he said tnu, give a get to my wife. Then it would be good. They can get other people to do it. Nice. Meaning... The, the Mishnah starts off by saying, by implying that the issue in our Mishnah is that he said the Lushan of Ksuvu, which means I want you to write it. And because they didn't write it, it's a problem. But had he said deliver it, Tanu, they can get other people to write it. Who does that follow? Rav Meir. That follows Rav Meir that when you tell three people Tanu, they can get other people to do it. But Seva, but then go to the end of the Mishnah. So the beginning of the Mishnah kind of sounds like a mayor, because it sounds like had you said Tanu, that'd be good. But then the end of the Mishnah says, it's only okay if the husband calls the cipher himself and calls the Edom himself, which implies that there's no circumstance. I Meaning basically it's a contradiction. The beginning part of the Mishnah, which the whole Mishnah is basically saying it's an issue, but the beginning of the part of the Mishnah implies that it's only an issue because you said the word Ksuvu. Had you said Tanu, it'd be fine. But then the Mishnah ends off by saying, it's only okay if you actually get the sofer and get the Edom themselves. So the beginning part of the Mishnah implies that there are circumstances that the Shluchim can appoint people to do it. But the end of the Mishnah implies that they can never. So the Gemara says, It's a contradiction. Again, according to Rameir, there are circumstances where I could get three people and they can get other people to do it. What's the case? You said Tanu. That's the first part of the Mishnah, because the Mishnah says it's no good, and it sounds like because he said Ksuvu. Had you said Tanu, it would be good. But then the end of the Mishnah says, there's never a time where Ishliach could appoint other Shluchim. That's Rav Yossi. So the first part of the Mishnah is Rav Meir, the end is Rav Yossi. So the Gemara says, in, yes. Reisha Rav Meir, Vesef Rav Yossi. You're right. The beginning is Rav Meir, and the end is Rav Yossi. Now, okay, that, that's the first answer. Amr Abayah, Abayah says, no, Kula Rameir, I want to make the entire mission of Rameir. Now, Rameir holds that there are circumstances that a shliach can get another shliach to do it. So why in the end of the Mishnah does the Mishnah end off by saying that you can never get a shliach to do it? It's only okay if the husband calls the sofa himself. Why? Why can't I just tell three people, Tnu, and they'll get the sofa? So the answer is, the end of the Mishnah, it doesn't actually mean that you have to tell the sofer himself. You just have to tell three people to know. Make it work in Rameir Shita. 
The problem is, and I know I'm doing this quick, it's just we got a lot to do and it's a long day. Wait a minute. So you're telling me that if the entire Mishnah works according to a mayor, then the end of the Mishnah is very misleading. What does the Mishnah end off by saying? The only way for this get to be okay is if the husband calls up the sofer himself and calls up the Adam himself. But that's not true. According to our mayor, you don't have to do that. You can go over to three people and say, Tnu get lishti, give a get to my wife, and they'll get the sofer and they'll get the Adam. So you're telling me the Mishnah follows our mayor? That's very misleading because that's not true. So the says, okay. Maybe the entire Mishnah is our mayor. And why in the end of the Mishnah does it not offer the solution of having the Adam, the Shluchim themselves get the sofer. The answer is because the end of the mission is talking about a case where there's two people. If you remember, on that mission of Daf Vav, Rav Meir makes a distinction. If I tell three people to get Le'ishti, they can appoint, they can, they, the Shluchim, can get other Shluchim to do it. But if I tell two people, no good, because three people are Meir feels as a Bezdin. So maybe that's what the Mishnah means. The end of the Mishnah, which says outright, it's only acceptable if you tell the sofer himself and you tell the Aiden themselves, but they can never, the shulchan can never get other people. Perhaps that's specifically talking about a scenario where it's only two people. You told two people, that's why they have to get, they have to do it themselves. Had you said three people, it would be fine. So the Gemara says, Again, same problem, which is, then why does the Mishnah end off by saying that it's unequivocally an issue? It should say it's only a problem because you didn't say it to three people. If you get it to three people, it's fine. So the Gemara says, fine, you know what? Elakula Rav Yossi. Really, it's Rav Yossi. Now, Rav Yossi is against everything. Rav Yossi holds that a shliach can never appoint another shliach. So here's the problem. If our Mishnah is Rav Yossi, then what does the ratio of the Mishnah mean? What's the case? The ratio of the Mishnah says, three people tell a, a husband, would you like us to write a get for your wife? And he says, ksuvu, write the get, no good. Now that makes sense according to Rav Yossi, but it's a little bit of a problem. And that is, Rav Yossi is against if they said Ksuvu. Rav Yossi is against even if you said Tanu. Rav Yossi is against all cases. So why does the Mishnah say it's a problem because of Ksuvu, which implies that there's a scenario where it's not a problem. Rav Yossi holds it's always a problem. You can never have a Shliach get another Shliach. So the answer is, Amru Imru. This we had a couple days ago. If you understood it the first time, great. If not, not. It's a little tricky. And that is, there is a scenario that Rav Yossi holds that you could have a shliach get another shliach, and that is if you told him to get someone else. Meaning, Rav Yossi holds that if I tell you two, three people, doesn't matter, write a get for my wife, they have to do it. If I said give a get to my wife, they have to do it. The only time that Rav Yossi holds that it is acceptable is if you told those three people, get John and get Avram and Moshe to write and sign the get. You told them who to get. You're asking them to get those people, but you told them who you want to get. Rav Yossi holds that's acceptable. So that's how the mission is supposed to mean meaning. It's only a problem because you said ksuvu, but had you told them to get people, then it would be acceptable. Because Rav Yossi is modem. Rav Yossi holds mili lomim which means that a shliach does not have the power to get other people unless you asked him to get other people, and then it is acceptable. So the Gemara says... First of all, then the Mishnah should say that. The Mishnah should not say that it's a problem because you said ksuvu. It should say, at the end of the Mishnah, it's a problem because you did not tell them to get other people. And this has to do a couple days ago, and that is me, Modra of Yosef, Amr Imru. Rav Yossi does not... You're, right now we're saying that Rav Yossi, who holds that a shliach can never get another shliach, there is one scenario that he can, and that's called Omer Imru. Omer Imru means... 
that you told the shliach to get someone else. And we're saying that Rav Yossi holds that that's okay. The problem is, no, he doesn't. V'hotanan, the Mishnah says, K'sav sofer v'et kashen, v'am Rav Yirmiyeh chasam sofer shaninu. That we had a Mishnah later on that says that a sofer can be one of the witnesses on a get. The sofer can sign the get. And said the Mishnah, why would that be a problem? Go to the next page. We're going to get to the Mishnah. I know it's going to take an extra 10 minutes, but it's, it's, we have to do this Gemaras. Who is the author of our Mishnah that allows a cipher to write to be an aid? It follows Rav Yossi. Now, what's the, why is this significant? Because as I said a couple of days ago, there is a reason to believe that we should never allow a sofer to sign a get. Why? Because of the following scenario. You tell two people, hey, do me a favor, get John the sofer to write the get, and get Avram and Yitzchak to sign it. You go to, you go to John the sofer and you say, hey, we're asked, we're asked by the husband to get you to write the get. He says, okay, who's signing the get? And you say, well, Avram and Yitzchak. And he says, oh, I'm not kosher. He starts getting embarrassed and you're like, you know what? It's fine. It's fine. You, you, you can do it. You can do it because you, you don't want to embarrass the guy. That will invalidate the get. So the truth is we should never allow a sofa to write the get, to sign the get because of this scenario. Said the Mishnah, who is the author that allows a sofa to sign the get and is not concerned of such a scenario? It's Rav Yossi. Why? Because Rav Yossi holds that a shliach can never get another shliach, ever. The only way that a sofa can write the get you can never have a scenario of people getting a sofer, and you can never have a scenario of people getting Aiden. It doesn't work like that. According to Rabbi Yossi, the only one who can get the sofer is the husband himself. The only one who can get Avram and Yisrael to sign it is the sofer, is the husband himself. You'll never have this case of shluchim having power to choose who to do it, because that's when the problems arise. That's what the Mishnah said. Now here's the issue. But now if what you're telling me is correct, that Moder of Yossi, Bomer Imru, that Rav Yossi allows a scenario called Omer Imru, which means that Rav Yossi holds that if I tell you, Shluchim, get John and get Avram and Yitzhak, you can actually go and get them, as opposed to me having to call them. If you tell me that that's an acceptable scenario, then how could a sofer sign the get? You're back to the following problem. Nafig you're going to have an issue in the following case. Zimna Amr You'll have the husband will tell two agents, two shluchim, Imru l'sofer v'yichtov, I am telling you, get the sofer to write it, get John the sofer, and get Avram and Yitzchak to sign it. And according to Rav Yossi, that's acceptable, because it's called Omer Imru. While a shliach normally cannot appoint someone, but you're telling me now that if the sofer, is, if the shliach is told to do it, he can do it. So now he's going to go, he's told, get John, and get Avram and Yitzchak. What's going to happen? He's going to go to John. John is going to be embarrassed that he's not going to sign it. And the shliach is going to change it and say, okay, you could do it. And that's a puzzle get. The very fact that Rav Yossi allows the sofer to sign it means that a shliach can never get someone else. It doesn't matter whether it's Omer Imru. It doesn't matter whether it's Tnu. A shliach is never acceptable. So who is the author of our Mishnah? El-Machvarta, Reisha Rameyer, the Sefer of Yossi. You have to go back to the original pshat that the Reisha is Rameyer and the Sefer is Rav Yossi that we had before. Now just to end the daf, just to get to the Mishnah, Rav Ashi says a different answer, and that is Kula Rav Yossi. Really the entire Mishnah is Rav Yossi. And it's never acceptable because the shliach can never get someone else. And therefore our Mishnah, which where the case was that three people told 
uh, a guy, a husband, would you like us to write again? He says, Ksuvu, and they got other people to do it. It's puzzle. But what was the problem? The problem is, why does the Mishnah say Ksuvu, that it's an issue when the husband said Ksuvu, which implies that there's a scenario when it's not an issue. It's always an issue according to Rabbi Yossi. So the Gemara says, Lo mi boi kamar. The truth is, Rabbi Yossi holds it's a problem, and he always holds it's a problem. But don't deduce from our Mishnah that there's a scenario where it's not a problem. It's always a problem. And sometimes the Mishnah is written, it's called Loimi Bai, where it's like less of a, chid, a, a, a bigger Chiddush, less of a Chiddush, less of a Chiddush. Meaning, sometimes that's how the Mishnah is written. This is how you're supposed to read the Mishnah. Really, it's always a problem. Even if it just said Ksuvu, it's a problem. But even if it's. If the husband didn't say tnu, it's for sure an issue. It's a problem. And it doesn't matter whether it's two people or three people. And it doesn't matter whether you said imru. Meaning, according to our Mishnah, it's always an issue. And it follows Rav Yossi. Perfect. So according to Rav Ashi, the Mishnah is really Rav Yossi. And it's a problem. It's a problem whether you said ksuvu. It's a problem whether you said tnu. It's a problem whether you said imru. It's a problem whether it's two. It's a problem whether it's three. It's always an issue. Just to end off, Tanya Gavas Ravashi, we have a Bryce in the backs of Ravashi. The Ravashi, the Bryce, says, Ksav Sofer Lishma. If a Sofer wrote a get for the right reason, for the right woman, Vichas Moedim Lishma, and the witnesses signed it for the right woman. Everything seems to be kosher, but it's a problem. Why? Until the cipher and the witnesses hear from the husband directly that the husband has to actually call the sofer and say, write the get, and the Adam have to say, sign the get. You see, this Brisa holds, there's no scenario that the Shliach can appoint someone else. It always has to be the husband. Yishmu. The Brisa says that the the sofer has to hear Yishmu, meaning It's to say that Rav Yaisi holds you can never have a shliach appoint even by Yomer Imru, even if you told the shliach get the cipher no good, they have to, the cipher has to hear it from the husband, and it says Kailai in the Brisa that the cipher has to hear his voice and this is not like Rav Kanamarav, which started off the daf that a deaf mute can write it down. The Brisa specifically says Kailai, you have to hear the husband say if the husband writing not good enough. I will right, we'll stop here, and uh, Bez Hashem, I'll, I'll prepare another daf. I'll keep you guys posted about when I'm recording uh, Tisha B'Av's daf this afternoon.